0: Cool. You are listening to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show with your hosts, Dave Mitchell and Martin Donahue. Tune in every Monday night at 9
1: p.m. Eastern on the Ultimate Sports Talk Radio Network. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, where we sit back and talk about. The Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds for the next 60 minutes. So let's get right to it. I'm Dave Mitchell, and alongside, as always on every Monday night show, is our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue. Mark, it's not been one of those weeks.
2: Oh, it's been one of those weeks. It's one of those weeks we don't want to talk about. And we were talking before the, the broadcast. Uh, one of our listeners had a suggestion that both teams are doing so poorly that perhaps we ought to uh, talk about two other teams rather than the Reds and the Indians. But, uh, you know, it, it's the good and the bad. You've got to hang with them. And we'll get into more detail in a few minutes. But uh, it was not a good week for neither the Reds nor the Indians.
1: Well, Mark, you know, I talked to you earlier today. And do you remember how you uh, picked up the phone and answered it for me?
2: Yeah, I probably shouldn't repeat that, but uh,
1: <laughs> we got the same tweet from a from a listener earlier today. I'll go ahead and repeat it. It, it. These teams suck, and right now they stink. Both teams.
2: Well, you said that just literally. You said that, and uh, Brandon Phillips just hit a grand slam home run in Wrigley Field. The Reds are head five to nothing, but uh, notwithstanding that momentous event, uh, the Reds and the Indians just played bad ball this this week, and I, I, don't, I didn't follow each Indians game, but I can say unequivocally, the Reds gave away three or four games this week. They should have won, and the reason they did not win is because of their bullpen and some untimely hitting, but they should have won those games. They were ahead, and I don't know what happens to the Indians, but I know the Indians got pounded a couple times, so uh, why don't you review what happened in the week for the Indians?
1: Well, the Indians are right now 30 and 32 overall. They went 0 and 7 on the week. They've lost seven in a row. Mark, since May 20th, in that come from behind win over Seattle in the bottom of the ninth inning, in their last 19 games, they are 4 and 15. But the good news is they're only five and a half games behind Detroit. In the Central Division. Detroit's not running away with the division, so the Indians are still in it. And if they can get themselves straightened around here, uh, they've got a pretty good shot at staying in it for the rest of the year. But this is a team that's got holes, Mark. And and before we get into these two items, I I do want to let everybody know that we do have a guest tonight. Our guest is going to come from Carolina. If you recall, I wrote an article on UltimateSportsTalk.com this week saying that the Indians, while as Drupal Cabrera is on the disabled list, they should bring up their prize phenom, Francisco Lindor, to just play shortstop because Mike Avilas is too valuable coming off the bench. Mark, as I told you before we went on the broadcast, I'm more convinced now than ever I'm right because Matt Underwood, the Indians' play-by-play announcer, said that that was a silly idea and Lindor should stay in the minor leagues. And if you've ever heard Matt Underwood and Rick Manning do a game you'd know what I mean. But anyway, you can also contact us tonight. We're going to be talking with Corey, I should say, in just about 15 minutes. He's coming to us from Carolina. But we're going to be also taking our Ask Us segment, and you can send us questions at Us or dmitch at com, or you can tweet us at OHBBcohost. Mark, before we get into all this, I guess the big story and the strangest story of the week Again, happens in Cleveland, and it's got to do with the Indian's closer, Chris Perez. While he's on the DL, he and his wife now have been charged, in case you're living in a cave, with misdemeanor drug possession and the shipment of just over one-third of a pound of marijuana mailed to their home. This happened on Friday. Melanie Perez, whose maiden name is Baum told the undercover officer delivering the packages, and I can't even make this up, Mark. This is the truth. You just can't make this stuff up. That the packages were intended for her dog, named Brody. The package was addressed to Brody Baum, according to the postal inspectors. The package was addressed to the dog, and when questioned later, the investigators returned to the house. Melanie Perez told them, She doesn't smoke marijuana, but that her husband had drug paraphernalia in the house. Now, under the drug agreement between Major League Baseball and its players' union, marijuana offenses generally result with the player undergoing a treatment program rather than discipline. And the laws regarding marijuana under a pound, it turns into a misdemeanor. They couldn't charge him with a felony. But I guess the major question tonight, Mark, is... Should we grab Brody Bomb from the Perez's and have a puppy intervention?
2: I think Brody should get a, at least a 10-game suspension. And uh, But it, it, it's interesting. They, as I understand it, this shipment came from California where marijuana is now legal. <laughs> so had they done this in California, nobody would have said anything, I don't think. But, uh, you know, we're living in an era of transition right now where marijuana use will probably be legalized everywhere. I know Colorado legalized it, California did. We're getting into social issues here, but uh you know, I can't get too excited over something like this. Uh I would I would I would venture a guess that more than Mr. Perez are using marijuana in Major League Baseball and uh I, I'm not sure what uh, the commissioner is going to do, but I see this as much ado about nothing, frankly.
1: I agree with you. I really do. And listening to the talk shows up here on Friday, the Indian fans is normal and the talk show host is normal. We're going off the deep end saying the Indians should immediately release Chris Perez, show them that they don't want that type of player on their team, and Mark The only thing I have to say is the first team that is going to jump in and grab Chris Perez if the Indians release him is the Detroit Tigers. So why cut off your nose to spite your face?
2: I agree with you. I think it's a stupid thing. And, uh, again, the the, the overreaction to this, uh, and I guess I'm reverting back to the social aspect of this, Uh, I've never understood how you can have somebody go out and have three drinks and it's perfectly fine, uh, but they smoke a joint and, and, you know, something horrible is supposed to happen. So uh, I'm the wrong guy to look for overreaction to something like this, but if if anybody does overreact, it will probably be bud ceiling.
1: Well, I've never done it, never will, never had the inclination to do it. I, I really could care less if others do it. Um, you know, I've looked at this Especially the drinking aspect, mark, and if you're allowed to if you're allowed to vote at age eighteen, why aren't you allowed to drink at age eighteen? They hold it off to twenty one now you know you've got the marijuana laws that are changing as you said Colorado, California, Vermont just instituted it uh, I think you're right we are in a, a a lifetime of transition now, but still in all, what Chris Perez did was. I don't mind him going out and getting the pot. But addressing it to the dog, I, <laughs> that, that that really just befuddled me. That, that one there threw me for a loop. But anyway, hey, the Indians made a trade today. They reacquired John McDonald from the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's a utility infielder, primarily a shortstop, very good defensive ball player. And they got him for cash. Now, the reason they got him is because of the injury to Azdrubal Cabrera. And we're going to be talking with Corey Smith coming up in just a little bit from the Carolina News and Observer about Francisco Lindor and Tyler Naquin. He'll be calling in in just a little bit. Now, also, Mark, another move that the Indians made was they put Brett Myers on the 60-day DL. Now, that may seem to be a big deal, but in all actuality, it's not. And here's the reason. He went on the disabled list on April 20th. It is retroactive to April 20th. So, in effect, he's eligible to come off the 60-day DL on June 20th in 10 days from now. So, it's not that big a deal.
2: Is he going to be ready?
1: Probably not. <laughs> no, I, it's he's still not throwing. He's still got the soreness in his elbow, and he still isn't isn't throwing as of yet. And the Tribe also went out and signed left, uh, left-hander J.C. Romero to a minor league contract and assigned him to AAA. So that's what's happening, Mark, in Major League Baseball with the Cleveland Indians so far right now.
2: Well, I wish something was happening with the Reds because we'll get into this after our guest comes on, but uh, I think if either of the Reds or the Indians, if either organization believes they can stand Pat the rest of this year, and, and compete for postseason. I think they're they're both foolish. Uh, the Indians perhaps need more than the Reds, but the Reds have a lot of holes, too. And th- th- this team is not going to compete against the Cardinals, and they're not going to compete against Atlanta, I don't believe. I don't think they're going to compete against San Francisco or Arizona. And you could argue even Colorado is, is a better team, or Pittsburgh. The Reds have to add some talent to that r- roster, or they're going to finish third in in the division, and they're not going to make the playoffs. It'll be very interesting to me to see what happens with the Reds, but I think the Indians uh, face the same thing. They they just cannot stand pat and and hope to compete in that division or even for a wild card.
1: Now, I think what the Indians need to do is go out and find themselves a cleanup hitter. Now, that's easier said than done. I know there's been some talk about Aramis Ramirez, from the Milwaukee Brewers coming over. And that that's going to lead into a conversation I'd like to have with you here a little bit about this PED investigation that Major League Baseball is having and I'll tell you Milwaukee could be hit the hardest along with even the Texas Rangers, but we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But Mark, I think, you know, the funny thing is is that the the Reds and the Indians ironically are looking for the same thing. They're looking for a third baseman and and a corner outfielder.
2: Yeah, I was thinking today about Todd Frazier and and you you mentioned the Reds looking for a third baseman. I think you're right. Uh, I I don't see Todd Frazier's bat as being one that's going to be consistent. Having said that, I do believe he he's a he's a great uh sixth man as you might say for basketball. He uh, he, he's a good utility guy. He can play outfield. He can play first. He can play third. And that would be a valuable position for him to have on the bench. But he has, his swing is such that the, the National League pitchers have figured him out. And I don't know who's out there be, besides Ramirez. I think he's a real long shot for the Reds given his contract. I don't know where else they would go. Uh, I don't know who's available, but, uh, I, I just don't see Frazier. Uh, being the answer at third base long-term, although I think he'd be valuable to the ball club.
1: You know, if it wasn't for the fact that San Diego is staying in the race, Mark, I think they'd be interested in getting her to chase Hedley. But they're still in the race. They're they're not that far out of first place and fourth place out in that division, the Western.
2: Well, they six games out, and, uh, you, you know, you may be right today. Uh, I don't see that team staying in it. But Hedley, I, I thought he No, just, I don't either. I think he just signed an extension, didn't he?
1: That I can't tell you.
2: I thought he signed a, a one or two year extension. Uh, I know he was a free agent after this year, but I, I, I seem to recall either they were negotiating with him or he had signed one. Uh, but he, he's, you know, he's not tearing the cover off the ball this year. Uh, he, he's, I think he has some real power, but he, he's left-handed, and I think the Reds need a right-handed bat.
1: Well, I'm looking up right now whether or not Chase Headley did sign an extension, and I haven't been able to find it as of yet. But anyhow, uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying there, that San Diego is probably not going to stay into that race. But, you know, they're always looking. Every year it comes to a point where it looks like they're going to make a trade for Hedley. And, and that looks like what it's going to be this year. Now, I want to get into the Reds right now, and Johnny Cueto. Missed his scheduled start on uh, last Thursday. What is the deal and where? what is his prognosis right now?
2: I can tell you what the the operative line is from the Reds and, and their medical staff. Is it, This is a minor setback that they, they just erred on the side of caution. It's not nearly as bad as his last uh, disabled list stint. And they think he's going to be only missing one more start. He'll miss a start tomorrow. Cingrani has already been called up to take that start against the Cubs. And that uh, Johnny Cueto will be starting this weekend as soon as he comes off the DL. So if that is true, then that's good news for Reds fans because Johnny Cueto has been lights out so far. His last outing he pitched a one-hitter. And uh, the Reds just cannot sustain any kind of winning streak without a Johnny Cueto in the rotation. But the, the the again, despite getting good starting pitching, even in this in this lull they're having right now, it's been the bullpen that's failed. But I don't understand why aren't they bringing up Sizgurani to, to to be in the bullpen? Uh, last night they had a chance to bring in uh, a left hander from the bullpen, and they they didn't do it against the Cardinals. No, so why have the left hander down there if you're not going to use him? And Singrani, as hard as he throws, I think he'd be very effective out of the bullpen. I, I just don't understand why they don't bring him in.
1: Well, why didn't they bring him up on Thursday night to make the spot start?
2: Uh, he had started uh, on Sunday. He, 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 he would have um, been out of rotation. Or it started two days or three days before that. So uh, that's why they didn't bring him up. Okay. In fact, I think that wasn't, was that thir- I think it was Wednesday, I think. Okay. Or, or even um,
1: Tuesday. Well, n- yeah, it was Tuesday.
2: Yeah, it was Tuesday because he he had pitched on Sunday, and uh, okay. they brought up that rookie to uh, face Milwaukee or, or uh, Colorado on Tuesday.
1: Okay. Now, as far as Chase Headley is concerned, he has not signed a contract extension. They okay. did offer him one, but he has not signed it, and he does not want to negotiate during the regular season. So that is the status on Segrani. Now I know Ramirez is working under a 16 million dollar contract this year and this is the last year of his deal. So he'll be a free agent at the end of the year also.
2: Yeah, again, with his contract, unless uh Milwaukee wanted to eat a big chunk of it for this year, which they might, <coughs> uh he'd certainly help, you know, somebody short term, but Even we're almost halfway, it's still $8 million somebody got to pick up unless the Brewers chip in. Plus, you got to give up something to get him. And I'm not sure for a rental uh, he's going to be that valuable to the Reds.
1: Okay, as far as the Indians are concerned, Carlos Carrasco came up and made the start on Saturday against Detroit. Of course, he was subject to an eight game suspension. He appealed that suspension before the game on Saturday. Major League Baseball reduced it to seven games. He went ahead and pitched the game on Saturday, dropped his appeal, and now is serving the seven-game suspension. He'll probably pitch again this coming Sunday, Father's Day. Mark, you've been telling me now for two years that Drew Stubbs is a strikeout machine, and at the early part of the season when things were going good for the Tribe, I was a Drew Stubbs fan. I've got to say that in the last three weeks during this slide, you cannot have Drew Stubbs in the lineup. This guy right now, here's his stats, Mark. He's batting 236 in 60 games and 190 at-bats. He's got five home runs, 19 RBIs, and 65 strikeouts on the year. That's a strikeout just under every 3 at bats and i've never seen a guy that has absolutely no idea what the strike zone is at the major league level he he's just goofy when it comes to him at the plate
2: yeah and you're suffering the same kind of frustration you know the thing about drew stubbs is he's a very likable guy you know everybody likes drew stubbs personally he he's smart he He's un- understated, he, you know, all, all these things that you like about an athlete. He's good looking, he's a great athlete. And But the strikeouts just wear you down as a fan. It just wears you down night after night after night. And the thing that used to drive me insane about Drew Stubbs, I hated it when he swung and missed all the time, but it's the taken strikes. He'll, he'll go fishing on two balls a foot outside, and then take a strike down the middle of the plate for strike three. You want to jump through the TV and strangle the guy. But, you know, I feel your pain. And my concern about Drew Stubbs now is not is he going to hit 250 this year and earn his keep for the Indians. I don't think he will. But he has a chance to hit 200 this year, which means that would be the second year in a row to hit around 210 or 200. His career is in jeopardy. And if that is the case, and I believe it is, why doesn't he do something about it, or why don't the Indians, or why didn't the Reds send him back down and let him learn to hit like Cardinal hitters learn to hit? I don't understand if it's the organizations or it's Drew Stubbs.
1: Well, yeah, I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. The Indians, the way they're going right now, they have got to make a couple of moves. And I think one is they've got to take Drew Stubbs out of the lineup. The other one is they've got to get Mark Reynolds off of third base. Now, Reynolds just made a couple of outstanding plays at third in this game against Texas, which the Indians are winning 3-1 to one right now. But nonetheless, I want to give you some stats of Ryan Rayburn right now compared to those of Drew Stubbs and why Ryan Rayburn is not playing right field is a mystery to me. In 35 games and 106 at-bats, Mark, Ryan Rayburn is batting two he He's got seven home runs and 20 RBIs, each more than Drew Stubbs in almost, well, let, let's add it up here very quickly, 84 less at-bats and 25 less games. But he also has struck out only 30 times this year and has 10 walks. Those are the types of numbers that the Indians need in right field, not the kind that Drew Stubbs is bringing up.
2: Well, again, with all the talent Drew Stubbs possesses, I, I just don't understand why somebody hasn't come up with a magic formula for him. And, you know, to me, when you look at him swing, he grips the bat at the very end of the knob, and unlike Joey Votto, and now, interestingly enough, Jay Bruce shortens up with two strikes. He chokes up on the bat just like Joey Votto does. A lot of the Reds headers do that. Xavier Paul does it. And that kind of a uh, minor adjustment can make such a big difference when you have two strikes on you, put the ball in play, and with his speed, if he hit ground balls, he'd hit 350. Think of all those strikeouts. If he just hit ground balls to the shortstop, he'd hit 350 because he can outrun the ball. He won't do it.
1: Well, I wrote an article earlier this week about, especially when Asdrubal Cabrera was injured, about bringing up the prize phenom prospect that the Indians have in Francisco Lindor. And just about two hours after I wrote the article, I saw an article online from the News and Observer out in Carolina from Corey Smith, which just so happens to be where Francisco Lindor is playing right now, and I thought it was an excellent article, so I Issued an invitation to Corey Smith, and he joins us now on our Ohio Baseball Weekly microphones. Corey, thanks for joining us tonight. How are things out in Carolina?
0: Going pretty good. Thanks for having me. How are you doing?
1: <laughs> doing really well. I'm Dave Mitchell. Mark Donahue is along with us, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, you were supposed to be at the Super Regional tonight, but I think things got rained out.
0: Yeah, it's been uh, it's been storming here all day, and they haven't. Yeah, they. They ended up deciding not to have that game go on, and uh, I guess they're going to be moving that to tomorrow. So I ended up having a little more free time than I thought I would tonight.
1: <laughs> well, that game's North Carolina versus South Carolina. From what I understand, that'll be tomorrow at noon. But, hey, Corey, I wanted to talk to you tonight about the two prize prospects that the Indians have right now. Let's start off with Francisco Lindor. You know, like I said, I I thought the Indians – should just go ahead and bring him up to play a month up here at the Major League level. Tell me, is would that be, be a good move, or is he just totally unready for a move to the Majors right now?
0: I feel like that would have been an all right move. Uh, to say that he's young, yes, he's still young. He's 19 years old. Um, I mean, he's still, you know, there's a lot of things that you know he needs to do before he can succeed at the Major League level. Uh, but you just watch just the the raw speed that he has, um, the things that he does up at the plate, and you know, and it's it's funny because you you know you had me on to talk about him and Tyler Naquin, and the two of them you know batting one and two in the lineup right now, and uh, you know with Lindor right now he's got a lot of RPIs. and the reason why is because Naquin's been hitting in front of him the entire time, and the two of them getting on base, you know they've you're watching this team this year, and if you go back and you look at the record of you know, where the Mudcats are right now. And, you know, these two, when you watch this team, these are the two that, you know, everybody's looking at. Everybody's going out, they're selling the tickets here. And, you know, for Francisco Lindor, you know, he's living up to the hype at this point, um, as well as Naquin too. So,
1: Well, I know the question that they had about Naquin when they drafted him, especially John Hart, the former GM of the Indians, the night that they drafted him, was where he was going to play. Now, I know he's playing in the outfield, but is he in center, right, left? What are they doing with him?
0: Well, uh, I've been out there twice, and the first time that I was out there, he was out in center field. Another time that I was out there, he was in right field, and that was also because they were shifting around. Um, You know, from what I've seen the majority of the time that I've been out there, he's been out in center field, so he seems to be, you know, pretty stationary there. And, you know, as as, as far as defense, you know, I mean, um i haven't seen anything that you know kind of thrown up a red flag for me like that um when we went out there to go see him one time i know that um the the one time that i went there to see him he you know he was playing in right field and you know one kind of got crossed up with him and another guy and that was that was really it that was the only time that i've ever seen you know where he had anything happen um you know unfortunately i've been calling a lot of College baseball here lately, so I've been you know trying to go out there as often as possible. So we've had to watch on TV quite a few times, um, or on the computer quite a few times to keep up with these guys.
1: Well, what what is Naquin's strength right now?
0: His strength right now, uh, his biggest strength right now has been his patience at the plate. You know, uh, it's kind of funny you mentioned uh, Stubbs right before um, I come on. Uh, You know, you're talking about him as, you know, being a big strikeout guy. Yeah, I'm not going to say that he doesn't strike out quite a bit as far as Naquan is concerned. You know, he strikes out quite a few. Uh, I think he's struck, struck out like 60 times at this point. Um, but his hit total is at 75 hits, and I, I think he's hitting above 300 right now at this point. Uh, and, you know, here lately he's been hitting, uh, I think he's hitting 318 over his last 10 games. He leaves uh, the Mudcats and hit. Um, His biggest strength so far, yeah, I would say that would be his plate approach right now.
1: I guess the one thing about Lindor that people are afraid of is if the Indians would bring him up, which I guess is a moot point now because they just acquired John McDonald from Pittsburgh earlier about an hour ago. But the one thing that they were so concerned about was that if he came up to the major leagues right now and was a collapse, that his whole confidence level would just go down tell us where his confidence level is and is he a shaky confidence type of guy
0: <laughs> i'm gonna be honest with you he i mean and i've talked to him three or four times you know going out to games and and also talking to him you know for the interview that i was doing for the story that i wrote uh he is a guy that i mean to me i, I don't understand where the where the whole all, whole thing comes from i mean He's a guy that you know, very confident, um, you know obviously I, I guess with you know the way that he carries himself during interviews, the way he carries himself during games, I just I don't see that. Um, he seems like a guy who is you know, is extremely confident um, you know and, and during interviews and I've seen him you know obviously having to do it for um, you know, actual on the online content and stuff like that. And so I mean, he looks comfortable in front of a camera. Was comfortable at the plate, Was comfortable when we we're speaking with him. You know, he doesn't seem like a guy that's, you know, shaky confidence wise to me. And, you know, I mean, once again, you know, this past month, um, I think, you know, I think he finished at, you know, about 250, 248, somewhere around there, as far as batting average is concerned. So we might see, you know, now that he's actually going through these struggles, we'll see, you know, how he ends up coming back from that. But, You know, as far as what we've seen from him this year, I haven't seen anything that shows me anything about, you know, him not having the confidence to play at a major league level.
2: Hey, and Josh, or Corey, this is uh, Mark Donahue. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, Yes, sir. You have seen Lindor play. uh, I don't know if you have ever seen Billy Hamilton play, but a lot of the comments you you make about him are being made about Billy Hamilton. Of course, he's the, the stolen base champ. But have you seen those two play and could you compare them in terms of their their development at this point?
0: I, unfortunately, have never seen Billy Hamilton play live. I have seen him, you know, obviously I've seen him on the, you know, online and seen him in the All-Star games and things like that. But, you know, I don't know if he draws that kind of comparison. Um, Billy Hamilton is a guy, you know, from, from what I've heard and what I've seen, he's a guy that, you know, uh, can hit for contact and um, he's – fast on the base side, obviously, Um, but, you know, for for Lindor, the thing that sets him apart that, obviously, you're hearing a lot of people talking about is is his defense. Um, Defensive-wise, you know, he's he's a guy that, you know, is going to be one of those guys that you can put out there, and honestly, um, you know, I think he was saying his his idol was Omar Vizquel. Omar Vizquel was a guy that, you know, uh, he was a flashy player, and the way that he plays, it, it's not necessarily flashy at this point because he's, you know, he's still 19 years old and he's still getting kind of accustomed to this style of play. But he's a guy that, you know, you know defensive-wise, I mean, he's kind of setting himself apart in that way.
1: Well, I know Tony Lestore, uh, one of the uh, Indians beat writers and their minor league guru, told us, about a month ago, that that Lindor is ready for the major leagues right now defensively. Do you agree with that?
0: Defensively, yes, I completely agree. Um, you know, uh, I haven't seen anything. You know, we were we we're talking about the confidence thing earlier. I haven't seen anything shaky from him as far as defensive games. You know, we have seen the struggles recently with that, but defensively, you know, it, it, it's kind of one of those things where he doesn't let that you know affect him defensively either. Um and that just shows me that that just shows me that he has the confidence to play at the major league level as well. You know, he he doesn't let things affect him. I think even going back to one of the quotes that I had from him, he was saying basically one day I could go four for four, the next I could go over four. But as long as I do something to help the team I'm happy. And that's that's been the way that he's played so far this season is you know, if he's having struggles at the plate, he doesn't let it carry over defensively. And I think that shows that, you know, he does have the major league mindset As far as the defensive player, we still have yet to see if it's going to completely translate into a full season as far as the offensive numbers concerned.
1: Well, Corey, tell me, who's closer to the major leagues right now? Is it Lindor or Naquin being major league ready?
0: uh, Yeah, it's really kind of a tough question at this point. Uh, You know, uh, Naquin has shown, you know, just, I mean, obviously, you know, he has the age factor. You know, he's played at the college level. Um, he has that going for him. He's, you know, he's played against, uh, some better teams over the years and he's more accustomed to the way that, you know, this kind of works at this point. Whereas Lindor has all the talent in the world, he just, you know, it's, it's getting it all together and getting everything kind of, you know, put out there at this point. Um Maquin, I think, is more ready for the major league level at this point, but I think once Lindor gets to, you know, gets to where he's headed at this point and, you know, continues his rise, I think he's going to be the better major league prospect.
1: Corey, one final question for you. The league that the Mudcats are in out there in in Carolina is considered a high single-A league. Tell us, in your opinion, who's the best ball player that you've seen down there this season off of any team?
0: Yeah. To be perfectly honest with you, and I know this is kind of coming off as you know, uh, kind of feeding into everything that we've been talking about, but Lindor is the best prospect that I've seen play at this level at this point. Um, you know, there's obviously some some really good players that have been coming in and out, um, but from what I've seen, it just it doesn't compare. You know, you see the you see the way that he plays the game, and you know, honestly, the way that he puts it all out there on the field. You know, I've talked about him kind of, you know, maybe struggling offensively here lately. But uh, that, you know, goes without saying that at the beginning of the season, he started off hitting the ball 348. I mean, the guy, you know, is going to have his first offensively. But the way that he plays the game, I haven't seen anybody like him.
1: Well, Corey, when baseball's over, uh, what do they have you assigned to? Do you get to go see uh, North Carolina or Duke play any basketball? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I get a little bit of everything, man. I I actually graduated from NC State, um, so I wasn't a part of it before I got. You know, I, I kind of went to the games every once in a while, uh, but yeah, I, I go to UNC, Duke, NC State. And I go all around the place, man. And then you know, football season's not exactly the best in the world, but uh, there is a football season as well. But uh, yeah, basketball season is what everybody lives for around here, and it's definitely fun.
1: Well, hey, we appreciate you being on tonight. Give us your Twitter address, and people out there follow him because you can stay up on Lindor and Naquin with him.
0: Yeah, my Twitter address is at r Corey C-O-R-Y, Smith, S-M-I-T-H. And, uh, yeah, right, I try to do a little bit of everything, so you're going to get kind of a hodgepodge of everything from here as well. But, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. I try to put up as much stuff as I possibly can about the Mudcats as well.
1: Well, you are in a beautiful part of the country, and we appreciate you coming on tonight and letting us know more about Francisco Lindor and Tyler Naquin. Corey Smith, thanks a lot for joining us tonight.
0: Yes, sir. It's been great. Thanks very much. Thank you, Corey.
2: Thank you.
1: Corey Smith of the News and Observer, and you can also reach him on Twitter at rcoreysmith on Twitter. And we're going to be back to talk more and go through our Ask Us segment right after. In baseball,
2: Cincinnati announced today that they have signed
1: outfielder Dylan Michael to the largest contract in the history of the amateur baseball draft. Michael, only 18 years old and a student of Stanford, led the nation in average and home runs. He projects to be in the Queen City sometime next year after at least a full season in the minors. Last at bat: a novel by Mark Donahue, available at Joseph A. Beth, Barnes and Noble. And books and company. And you can also order Mark's book, Last At Bat, just by simply going to ultimatesportstock.com and clicking on the book and ordering it there. Hey, Mark, this weekend was the Ohio High School Baseball Finals, and I want to give everybody the final scores in the championship games from down at Huntington Park in Columbus in Division One. It was Cincinnati Moeller beating Cleveland Saint Ignatius seven to one to win that title. In D2, it was Defiance beating Jonathan Alder 8-2. to Mark, here's a trivia question. Do you know who Defiance High School's most outstanding alumni is?
2: Um,
1: I'll give you a little sure. hint. He's yeah. on the disabled list right now.
2: Well, I was going to say Thurman Munson, but he's really on the disabled list. <laughs>
0: Oh
1: gosh! <laughs> no, sorry, Chad Billingsley. Oh,
2: that that would have eluded me forever.
1: <laughs> Chad Billingsley came from Defiance, and also the Indians just recently also uh, drafted a Defiance High School product on Saturday. They took a Dice Kime from Defiance High School in the draft. In Division 3, it was Wheelersburg over Bloom Carroll 5-4. And in Division 4, it was Newark Catholic 2, New Middletown, Springfield 1. So congratulations to all those teams for getting into not only the state finals but also winning the state championship. Well, it's time for our Ask Us segment. You can send us in your questions every week simply by writing us at Us at ultimatesportstalk.com, or giving us a tweet at OHBBcohost. Mark, we have got a monster email coming from Jake. He wrote a very long email about everything he thinks is wrong with the Reds. I almost thought about trying somehow to get Jake on the show to go (laughs) over each of these items. But let's, let's go over them, and, and I'm just going to go, like, three at a time. Okay? All right. Here, here's the first three. Jake says the Reds have no bullpen. They have no ace pitcher. Even in his best season, Cueto was not an ace. And they have no center fielder. Chu is playing out of position. So your thoughts on, first of all, the Reds have no bullpen.
2: The Reds have no Sean Marshall. And I hate to hang this all on Sean Marshall, but he sets up the entire bullpen. Had he been healthy this year, the Reds would have had three or four or maybe even five more wins. So I think it's a little premature to say no bullpen. Uh, If they would have had Marshall, I think they'd be fine. Uh, As regards to no ace, uh, I don't know what Jake is looking at. The Reds have two aces, actually. Uh, Johnny Cueto is undefeated, and so is Matt Latos, and they're not aces because they're undefeated. Uh, they're simply the best uh, the, the best the Reds have. So I don't know what the problem is there. And no center fielder? I wish we had Drew Stubbs back if he could hit. But uh, Shue is not a center fielder, and uh, he shouldn't be accused of being one.
1: Well, no, he, he's no center fielder, but... He's not the worst in baseball. He's not the best in baseball, that's for sure. But I guess the question is, you brought it up a little bit ago, why not bring Singrani and put him into the Sean Marshall spot in the in the bullpen?
2: Your lips to God's ears. I, I don't know why they haven't done that, other than the fact that they're, they're trying to get Singrani to work on a third pitch, or even a second pitch for that matter. But uh, again, the Reds have to do something. And whether it's bring up Cingrani and put him in the bullpen, uh, I don't know. But um, I, I take exception to Jake's comments, the Reds have no ace starting pitcher. Uh, they do. And that's by that's not by my opinion. That's by any measure you could have. Uh, Cueto and Matt Lathos are aces, and, and they'd be an ace for any team.
1: Well, I'm sure you're going to disagree with Jake on a few more of these items. So here we go. All right, Jake writes in, and let's give you uh, three more items to talk about. Jay Bruce, Joey Votto, and Brandon Phillips are three of the most overpaid players in baseball next to the Angels trio, which I'm not sure who the third person is he's putting in as far as the Angels trio is. That's the first item. The Reds have a subpar farm system to compete in the National League Central. And Dusty Baker plays favorites and can't be held accountable to make the tough calls a manager needs to make.
2: Okay, Jake, you're getting on my nerves. Um, <laughs> Jay Bruce is probably one of the more underpaid players given the contract he, he had renewed a couple of years ago. Uh, Joey Votto, uh, <laughs> I don't know what he has to do. He's hitting 325, 328. He has 10 home runs. He got off to a slow start power wise. Uh, and I, I think his contract, by the way, his contract goes down next year, by the way. Uh, he doesn't start making the big money for two more years, and he's, he's only 29 years old. So I, I think the Reds, uh, in fact, he could be 28. Uh, I think the Reds have a good superstar in place to build around. Uh, Brandon Phillips, come on, Jake. He's the best fielding second baseman, certainly of, of this era of baseball and maybe any era. Uh, he hits for power, he hits for average, he's hitting number four. Uh, I, don't, I, I can't think of a second baseman in baseball, re, maybe other than Robbie Cano, that I would trade even up for Brandon Phillips. So I don't know what you're looking for in a second baseman, uh, unless it's Honus Wagner or Joe Morgan, but uh, I disagree wholeheartedly with, with your assessment of those three. Uh, subpar farm system, not according to uh, 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 Sporting News, the Reds have one of the better farm systems. And it may not be evident at AAA, but their, their single A and double A teams are loaded with talent. They've drafted well the last couple of years. And they've got some real talent coming up in the next two or three years that I think are going to make the fans pretty happy. Uh, Dusty Baker, uh, I might have to give you some slack on that one. Uh, Dusty Baker does things with his lineups. And, and Dave, you and I brought it up. Rather than bringing up, uh, what, I can't even think of the guy's name now, that pitcher, Villa, I want to say Villa Venueva, uh, that's not who they brought up.
1: Villarreal.
2: Villarreal. Uh, and he got absolutely lit up, and I don't understand why you do that. I mean, you look at this kid's minor league record, he was going to get pounded. It's no surprise. And Dusty Baker makes moves with a bullpen that I, I'm just, I don't understand. When you, you can win a game, why not bring in, as an example, why not bring in Chapman last night into the eighth inning? Uh, He hadn't pitched for a couple of days, uh, or if he had, he hadn't pitched uh, long, and let him pitch an inning in a third or inning in two-thirds and get out of that that tenth inning. (laughs) So uh, he does things that that I want to throw something at the radio, but overall I think he's done a reasonable good job with that team. The injuries have been the problem with the team so far.
1: Well, I I agree with you, Mark, on on everything that you just said. And I've got to say, is there a better hitter in baseball right now, with the exception of uh, Miguel Cabrera in Detroit, than Joey Votto?
2: You know, I think it's up to how you envision what a number three hitter making that kind of money ought to be. Uh, He gets on base more than anybody in baseball. He scores a lot of runs. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's probably going to hit 30 home runs this year, drive in 90 to 100 runs. Uh, I'm not sure what else he's supposed to do, on top of which he'll probably hit 325, 330. And yet people complain about Joey Votto. What do you expect? Is he supposed to hit 400 and 50 home runs and 200 RBIs? Uh, I don't get the complaints. He's probably the most complete hitter in baseball, All, all in on-base percentage, power ratio, RBIs, average, extra base sets. I don't know. He doesn't strike out a lot. What more do you want?
1: Well, let's go back to Jake's complaints about the Reds, and here are three more. When the Reds are not hitting home runs, they cannot produce runs. The Reds don't have the offense to support the current pitching staff. Their team needs to score around five to six runs each game at a minimum to win. And the third item, even without the injuries, the Reds needed a left fielder this year. They don't have one on the roster, and at best they have four guys that all put together might add up to one decent left fielder. Mark, your, your thoughts.
2: All right, Jake, you redeemed yourself. Uh, those things make sense. Um, you, you, the previous three didn't make a lot of sense, but the, these, I agree with you. The Reds don't have the ability, it was witnessed last night in the game against the Cardinals, they do not play small ball well. And they haven't played small ball well. They don't They don't bunt, they don't hit behind the runner, they can't score a run when they need to score a run. They're not stealing bases. It's unbelievable this team does not run. And when, when you have a guy like Robinson in left field, I think he has three attempted stolen bases this year. This guy led the minors in stolen bases. I I don't understand it. Brandon Phillips does not have a stolen base. Uh, Cozart has two or three. Uh, And these guys all stole a lot of bases. So that's, that's Dusty Baker. That is him making a decision about the offense. I agree that this team has to score five or six runs a game. And if they did... Uh, they'll win the division with the starting pitching they have. But I agree with you, and I've said it from the beginning of the year. Uh, They need a left fielder. They've needed another bat at at either third or left field or shortstop. You can't have three black holes like that in your lineup and expect to score five or six runs a game. So, Jake, uh, you got those three correct, in my opinion, and I would be shocked if the Reds don't do something uh, by the trading deadline to get another bat in that lineup because if they don't, they're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs.
1: Well, in all honesty, though, and to sort of play devil's advocate here, in last night's ballgame against St. Louis, Dusty did try to bunt the runner to second base with Robinson at the plate, and Robinson threw or bunted the ball right back to the pitcher. So it was just yeah. an ineffective bunt.
2: Yeah, yeah it, it's not only Dusty Baker, it's execution. And the point is, this team doesn't have the ability. Bronson and Arroyo bunted into a double play last night. Uh, there, there was another missed bunt by somebody. And <clears throat> the Cardinals don't make those mistakes. The Reds had that game last night. They should have won that game. And they didn't because they did not execute. And it's the small ball mentality they lack. And when you, when you have that many holes in the lineup, you're not going to score five or six runs every night. And that's the other part of the problem with this team. It's very, very inconsistent offensively. I said that in spring training. And that's why I picked the Reds to finish third, because of their offense. And I'm going to stick with that prediction unless they go out and get another bat.
1: Well, Jake brings up two more points, just two. And you've pretty much touched on one of those, Mark. But let's, let's go at it here again. First of all, the Reds haven't had a real third baseman who could field and hit in the last three years. And the last point, the Reds traded the, long, the wrong shortstop in the offseason. Uh,
2: I think it's too soon. Let's take the second point first. I think it's too soon to decide which was the, is going to be the better shortstop at this point. Uh, It takes three or four years for trades like that to come back to fruition. In terms of talent, absolutely. The Reds gave away more than they have in Cozart. But you don't know if Arizona would have accepted Cozart in that trade. And the Reds had an abundance of shortstops. Cozart had a good year last year. He had a good year the year before. So he's consistent defensively. But uh, Gregorius, uh, I think, has far, far more talent and I think he has a much higher upside, so I don't, I can't disagree with that, Jake. In terms of third baseman, you're right. Uh, in the Reds have not had a third baseman w- with any power and defense for a long time. They, you know, before Scott Rowland got there, you you had Edwin Encarnacion. Of course, he's hitting 40 home runs a year right now, uh, but you know he gives away a lot of runs too because of defense. But I never thought Incarnacion was that bad at defense. He would make spectacular plays and then, you know, throw one into the left field or to the right field stands on an easy grounder, but you can't you can't go out and just say we're gonna we're gonna get a third baseman. I mean, who do you get? You get Ramirez. You pay him sixteen million dollars or prorated the rest of the year for half a year. Who would you get, Jake? Uh, there's, there's just not a lot of opportunities for the Reds to go grab a third baseman and, and replace replace Frazier.
1: Yeah, it's not like the Mets are going to give up David Wright. Um, I, although he would look good in a Reds uniform.
2: Well, he would look great in a Reds uniform, but check his check his stats the last couple of years. I mean, I, I, he's, a, he's a great defensive player, and he certainly be better than anything the Reds have. But, again, you know, the Reds... They have to be judicious about who they sign, who's going to fit into the contract. Uh, I don't think they have anybody that I'm aware of uh, playing third base in the minor leagues that, that is going to uh, surprise anybody. Or they, Soto's down there, and he's hitting 270. But, uh, you know, maybe he's the heir apparent. I don't know. He's, he's got some power. He has 29 RBI, six home runs, hitting 270, slugging 410. Maybe he's the answer. I don't know. I, I don't I I've seen him offensively, but I've not seen him enough defensively to know if he's the answer.
1: Well, Jake, you brought up eleven points and Mark agreed with you on seven. The other four was a little little iffy. So uh, other than that, Jake, a good email. We've got one more here on tonight's ask us segments <laughs> since we spent so much time on Jake's email. We got this a tweet from at engines fan. Marky tells us that he loves the show, but these two teams are god-awful. Maybe take a week and talk about two other teams that are more deserving. So I guess, Mark, if we had our choice, what two teams would we pick?
2: Well, I, I'd certainly pick the Indians right now. I mean, they're, or, and I'm mean, they're—I'm sorry, I'd pick the Cardinals right now. Uh, they're, they're playing the, the best ball at, in Major League Baseball right now. And the other team that, that is surprising me this year is the Yankees. You know, given the, the injuries they've had to their their team, that they've hung in there, and they're playing good ball, and they get everybody back, uh, that, that they're going to be a handful to handle over there. So, my two surprises this year uh, are the Yankees and the Cardinals. And not surprises, but I think those two teams right now, to me, uh, I wouldn't want to play them in a in a four game series.
1: I, I think the two teams that I would want to talk about would probably be the ver- the very first one would be Texas. I just think that that team is surprising a lot of a lot of people out there right now, especially with the injuries that they've got uh, to their pitching staff. Another team that I would like to talk about is the Washington Nationals, just uh-huh. simply because I think their organization makes more strange moves than any other organization in baseball right now. And and Steven Strasburg is just the tip of the iceberg on that one. But those are the two that I would probably want to talk about. So that's our Ask Us segment for tonight. If you have any questions, feel free to send them in to us next week to Ask Us at Ultimate or you can tweet them to us at OHBB Co Mark, the big PED investigation. Major League Baseball right now looking at <laughs> suspending both Ryan Braun and A Rod. For at least 100 games. And then there are 18 other players that they are looking at suspending for 50 games. And a couple of those names are Nelson Cruz of Texas. Uh, I've also heard Johnny Peralta of Detroit's name coming up. First of all, uh, what do you think of this investigation? And do you believe a guy like Bosch? And is Major League Baseball putting all their eggs in the wrong basket?
2: There are so many unanswered questions, and the term itself, PED, it's, what does that that mean? Obviously, it doesn't mean steroids. Well, I know it means performance-enhancing drugs, but what does that mean in terms of specificity? Are you talking about steroids? Are you talking about, uh, you know, something that everybody takes to feel better or healthier or whatever? That's what I don't understand. Are, Are they saying that you can't take certain kind of vitamins? or certain kind of, uh, can you take caffeine enhanced, can you you use Red Bull? Uh, All those things enhance your performance. Where do you draw the line? And the the overreaction to some of these things is, is really aggravating to me that a lot of guys take stuff, and I'm not defending those who abuse it like clearly some did on the steroid side, but where do you draw the line on what is legal, what's illegal, and, and what is just common sense to, to be stronger and, and better fit?
1: Well, that, that's a good question. I do know Red Bull is not on the PED list because I've seen enough Major League Baseball players in the dugout downing a can of that uh, while they're in the dugout. So I do know Red Bull's not on it. However, when you're looking at the other, from what I understand, there's a litany list. And the reason that it was brought up was the Chris Perez case, and the fact that marijuana is right at the bottom of the list in Major League Baseball doesn't take that as seriously as they do some of the others. So it's a very long list. Supposedly, it was derived out of negotiations for the collective bargaining agreement between the union and the owners. But nobody really knows where the list came from, and they're always adding to it.
2: Yeah, that's what is is aggravating, and A lot of this self-serving, Bud sealing overreaction stuff, uh, I remember back in the 80s, friends of mine playing Major League Baseball, they used greenies all the time. I mean, that was the, it was a, I guess it was the current Red Bull back in the day. Uh, It jazzed you up, you got high, then you had to take downers to come down and sleep after the game, and, and it was the same thing. But a lot of this stuff, you can go into your, your Walgreens and buy, and it does enhance your performance. I mean, a vitamin enhances your performance, but where do you draw the line on that? That's where I think baseball, unlike some of the other sports, is, if anything, overreacting to it.
1: Well, and and where do you stop? I know this is taking it off into another direction, but some of these guys take cortisone shots for their knee. How is that not enhancing?
2: That's my point. You know, it, a lot of it is subjective. I, I know there's some things that are, the things that they should not be taking, in my opinion, are things that can hurt their health or give them a competitive edge over somebody else who who, who can't or shouldn't be taking whatever the substance is. I mean, antibiotic steroids can, can kill a person. And a lot of guys are willing to take that risk to be a better ball player, which makes Another player feel compelled to take the risk, that I get. But some of these things that just enhance your your muscle mass or overall uh, wellness or or whatever, I mean, you can get testosterone therapy now because your testosterone is low. Well, if you're a major league ball player and your testosterone is lower than it should be, you mean you're not allowed to get an enhancement to get it back to normal?
1: Uh, that, and yeah, that, that's the question. So, I mean, that's what's going on. I think Major League Baseball has got to put some teeth into it. I want to talk about this more next week because I went into it on my Thursday night show, that if Major League Baseball really wants to put the stop to this, they actually have to come up with a, a a detriment to actually these players taking them. I don't think a 50 or 100 game suspension does it because of the fact these guys have already made their money and they're already going to get paid for example, A-Rod's got four years left on his contract at $28 million a year. Ryan Braun just signed a new extension. What difference does it make to him if he's suspended for 100 games? He's still getting paid over the next three or four years. But I, I do want to talk about this coming up next week, but we can't do it on this week's show because we're running out of time. But, Mark, what what do the Reds have coming up this week?
2: Well, they play Chicago four games here uh, are in Chicago, and then we see, let me check and see where they go.
1: Has the fog lifted in Chicago? Uh,
2: it has not lifted. Uh, the Reds have a 5 nothing lead, but uh, after, let me see, after Chicago, they go to Milwaukee, and then a week from tonight, uh, they have Pittsburgh. Uh, so the next, the next 10 games, I think, are going to be really important. They play against the Cubs, Milwaukee, and Pittsburgh, They play 11 games, and the Reds should win seven or eight of those games. If they don't, uh, it's going to be a long season.
1: Well, for the Indians, they've got Texas coming up uh, not only tonight, but then tomorrow and Wednesday. They are off Thursday. Then they entertain the Washington Nationals Friday, Saturday, and Sunday afternoon. And Kansas City comes to town Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week. So that's going to do it for the show tonight. I'll tell you what. Both teams have got to start winning again, Mark. I know it's just the middle of June, but still, uh, we're about halfway through this season already.
2: You know, I think the key here is if you and I threaten to go on strike, I think both teams will play better.
1: Probably so. They They just don't want to listen to our opinions anymore. <laughs> Mark, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next Monday night.
2: Have a good one, Dave.
1: Don't forget to join me on Thursday night for the final edition of the BBA Baseball Talk Show. My guest on Thursday night will be Bill Ivey of i70.com and Yahoo Sports. And we'll be back with you next Monday night for the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show here on UltimateSportsTalk.com. Until then, our thanks to Corey Smith from the Carolina News and Observer for being our guest, talking about Francisco Lindor and Tyler Naquin and, of course, to Mark Donahue, but most of all to you for listening. I'm Dave Mitchell. Until next Monday night, good night, everyone.